Folks, we're going to look into God's Word. Last week, we, we took a pause from the study that we're doing through Galatians, and so we're going to continue on this week. We're going to continue on as we normally do, try to have a little bit of a sense of a normalcy to our life. And so we're going to be focused on Galatians chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Galatians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 23 through 29 today. 23 through 29. Now you know we've been going through this series in Galatians. We've entitled it Accepted, Experiencing Grace Day by Day. And we've been looking at this whole issue of you and I being accepted by God because of our faith. And and we are experiencing His grace because of that. And the whole purpose of this letter is really to help you and I to see that our acceptance with God is not based on anything else other than what Jesus did for us. And we know that because this is a wonderful letter, but it's really an unusual letter because of the way that Paul writes this letter. Typically, in the fashion of the epistles that Paul wrote, he would begin with a greeting of who he was and who he was writing to, and then he would go from there into a prayer of thanksgiving, thanking the Lord for who he was writing to. And then he would go on and address the issue. This letter is very abrupt in that he brings a greeting to who he's writing to and who he is, and then he forgoes the prayer of thanksgiving and goes immediately to the issue. And the issue is is that they had been deceived concerning the whole issue of their acceptance. And we're going to see that as we continue on in our passage here Because he wants to stress to them, it's not what you do. It's what Jesus has done for you and the whole issue of faith. So today we're going to focus on chapter 3, verse 23 to 29. And we're going to talk about the brutal teacher. The brutal teacher. You know, when I was thinking about that title, because I entitled that, the brutal teacher, and we're going to see that that comes from the passage. I was thinking about, you know, when I was in elementary and in middle school and, and, and even into high school, I was thinking, I, was, I, I can't remember their names, I'm getting old now, I can't remember their names necessarily, but I can remember their faces of teachers that just scared me, that were brutal, that were just mean. They usually tended to be old, Maybe they'd gotten fed up by the point of where they were in their career, but they were brutal teachers. And you better believe it, I paid attention and did what I was supposed to do or the hammer would drop. And a few times in my life, the hammer did drop from those teachers. And you know what? I deserved it. But we're going to talk about the brutal teacher that we have in all of our life. Now, having said that, I'm not, all of our teachers here in our area are wonderful. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just talking about from the perspective of a child. I'm an adult now, and I understand. I deserved it. But we're going to talk about the brutal teacher that you and I have. And that teacher affects us. That teacher is the law. And that law brings about a cycle of defeat for you and I. So I'm going to make two points here about this cycle of defeat. 
I want you to hear me. First of all, believers have come to accept that their cycle of defeat is normal. Now remember, I told you, we've been reflecting over, the, over this passage for the last couple of months now, you and I find ourselves in a cycle of defeat. Now what do I mean by that? Well, here we are, we're living for the Lord, things are going along great, and then we're trusting in Him, our relationship with Him is great, we feel good about ourselves, but then the inevitable happens. What's the inevitable? We sin. By the way, we always sin. We sin without even knowing that we sin, but we sin in some way that we feel is devastating to our relationship with Christ. And it is devastating. And what happens is, is that we find ourselves in a cycle of defeat in that we no longer feel that God accepts us, that God loves us, or that God has changed towards us. And that's why we're going through what we're going through is because he doesn't love me anymore. And so we end up in this cycle of defeat. So then we feel like we have to do something in order to gain his acceptance. And so the big three always come to mind. Come to church more pray more, give more. Well, four, serve more. And we're communicating that through our churches. Not necessarily in a bad way, but those are the things that we do. And so somehow we enter into this mindset that we've got to do something to gain back the acceptance with God. And here's what happens. As soon as we do that, we feel we're accepted again. But guess what happens? The inevitable. We sin again. And so we're in this cycle of defeat. And the problem is, is that most of us, and I've been there, most of us come to a place where we think that that's normal. That that's just normal in Christianity. In fact, most of us think that way and we've learned to adjust to it. But some of us, we know folks that didn't adjust to it and they no longer come to church. They've given up on Jesus. They've given up because they just think there's no way I can live. And they refer to it as bondage. And let's be honest with you folks, it is bondage. We've reflected on that over the last few weeks as well. And if you were to talk to them today, they would say, I'm better off. What are they better off from? They're not caught in that cycle of defeat. So believers have come to accept that their cycle of defeat is normal. This is a result. Now, how did this happen? How do we get to this whole issue of a cycle of defeat? This is a result of being deceived concerning their acceptance with the Lord. Remember, this is what Paul's writing about. He had gone and started that church in Galatia and told them that it was their faith in Jesus Christ. So when he leaves, no sooner than he leaves, folks are showing up and telling them, well, yes, it's faith in Jesus, but you also need to keep the law. And so folks have come along and told them that they need to be doing things in order to be accepted with God. The problem is you can't keep the law perfectly. So that results in this cycle of defeat. Same thing happens, I hate to say it, in our churches. Folks, come to Jesus, and then we come on as a church, whether we do it intentionally or not intentionally, and we start imposing on people with the new life that they have with a whole bunch of things that they need to start doing such as how they dress, 
what kind of Bible they need to carry, how often they should be in church, what kind of music they listen to. I mean, we just go on and on and on. I mean, I'm just naming a few things. Here's one that's happening these days because of our political situation. We're telling people how they need to vote if they're a good Christian. Let me just explain something to you. That may make sense politically. That makes no sense biblically. Because how you vote has nothing to do with your Christianity. And I would challenge you to show me from the Bible where it does. So I can say that with confidence. Your acceptance with Jesus has nothing to do with your voting record. Your acceptance with Jesus has to do whether or not you have faith in what he did for you, not what you do for yourself. And so people begin to establish this whole concept of the cycle of defeat being normal because somebody has come along and it's not that they were being bad. It's like, oh, I'm going to mess up their life. No, no. It's because they assume this is what the Christian life is. And they only assume that because, I'll be honest with you, they're ignorant of what the Scripture says. And that's the whole purpose of Galatians here. The whole purpose of Galatians is to help us to understand that acceptance. And so we're going to look today at what I, I say was a brutal teacher. Paul refers to it as a tutor, someone who's instructing you. And that tutor is the law. So let's look at this together. We're going to look at these verses today, verses 23 through 29. Let's see what Paul says here. He says, But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for faith, which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take these few verses and we're going to really divide it into two sections. We're going to reflect upon this brutal teacher, the law. And we're going to see the law's oppressive control. And we're going to see that in verses 23 and 24. And then we're going to look at the blessing of faith. That's what we need to see here. So let's go through this together. Okay, let's take a look at this. We're going to look at the law's oppressive control. And I'm going to explain to you why I refer to it as oppressive. Okay, so here's the first thing I want you to see. We see it in verse 23. Look at what he says. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith that would come that, that would come afterward be revealed. Now, the law was given to restrain us until the grace of Jesus was revealed. 
Now here's the whole purpose of the law. Here's the whole purpose of why we tell people to do things. So even like when you think about a church with its legalism, the whole purpose of all of that is not, to be honest with you, for your acceptance with God. It's to control you, to restrain you and your sin. So the law was given to Israel to restrain Israel until the Messiah would come, the promise of the Messiah. And when the Messiah would come, he would break the power of sin and they would begin then to live new lives. Now, for you and I today as believers, we've been freed from the law. Not that we can just go do whatever we want to do in sin, but we've been freed from the law to live a new life. So the whole purpose of the law is to keep us confined is to restrain us. And to be very honest with you, I say it's a an oppressive control because you know what happens when you and I break the law, when you and I do wrong, when we sin. What do you mean what happens? Well, let's talk about it. The guilt and the shame that you and I carry. It's devastating to us. It's defeating to us. It destroys us. And I know it does. You can't believe the number of people I've talked to who've said to me, I can never be used of the Lord because I did this. And all they see is, is they transgressed God's law. All they see is, is they did wrong. And that law just condemns them. It brutalizes them. It's the tutor that's, that's basically holding them in place until the promised one comes, until the grace of Jesus was revealed. That's what we see here. The law was oppressive in that point. Now, here's why that tutor is there. Here's why the law is there, because you and I need to be reminded of something. Here's what it is. The law exposes our need for grace, for the grace of Jesus Christ through faith. I think we all understand that. I think we understand that when we are caught in patterns of behavior that are constantly doing wrong and we know that we're doing wrong, it reveals something about us. Whether it's an addiction issue, somebody struggling with drugs or alcohol or pornography or food or something, the reality is it reveals how helpless we are in dealing with this issue we are ensnared we keep coming back and doing the same thing over and over and over again and the reason why we know that is because the law exposes that to us and we're defeated and what the law exposes to us is that we need somebody to help us we need somebody to free us. We need somebody to deliver us. And the one who can deliver us and free us is Jesus Christ. We need his grace, which comes through faith. Which comes through faith. Grasp that. You and I need to understand that. And see, that's what this tutor is for. This tutor is to reveal that we need Jesus. That we need Jesus. 
Not to control us necessarily, but to reveal that we need Jesus. Now notice now, we're going to move into that second section I told you that we see here in the passage. And that's the blessing of faith. The blessing of faith. So notice with me now, verse 25. Look at what verse 25 says. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. See, faith removes us from the brutal teacher. We no longer need the brutal teacher to expose us as who we are needing Jesus. Because of faith, we now have Jesus, and so there's something else that needs to take place. So here's what I want you to see. We no longer need the law's restraints since salvation by faith has come. Before, with the law, we felt we had to do all these things to gain his acceptance, and we never were at that place where we felt totally accepted because we weren't. Remember, Scripture tells us you break one part of the law, you break all of the law. So therefore, we were never accepted. But now, through faith in what Jesus has done, by salvation, by faith, we're accepted. Your acceptance with Jesus is because of what Jesus did for you and your faith in this. So listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to about the big four things we always tell people in church. Come to church. And by the way, you need come to church when we have church to be with each other. Not for acceptance, but because of acceptance, because we need to stir each other on. We need each other in our relationships. Pray. You don't pray to gain acceptance. You pray because you are acceptance, because you have a relationship. Serve. You want to do things for others because of what he's done for you, not because you want him to do something for you for his acceptance. Give. You want to be giving not because you're hoping to manipulate God in some way if I give you this. In fact, isn't that what some folks on the TV give God a seed gift and he'll bless it a hundredfold? That's a bunch of baloney. You are already accepted by God. God's going to take care of you. You give out of what he's already done for you, not in hopes that he will bless you more. See, all of those things... Really, I don't need all of those things for my acceptance. I'm already accepted by Jesus. I do all of those things because of the acceptance with Jesus, because of the relationship with him. We no longer need the lost restraints since salvation by faith has come. Since salvation by faith has come. Here's what we need to see then. Look with me at verse 26. Look at what he says here. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Can I say that again? For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now here's my next point I want you to see here. Recognize your standing as a child of God through faith in Jesus. You belong to God. You are his child. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. I want you to come with me. Think about it for a moment. If you have come to Jesus by faith, if you are trusting alone in what he has done for you on the cross for your salvation by faith, 
you are his child. And nothing changes that. Here, listen, I have four kids. I now have five kids because my son married. So I have four children and a daughter-in-law. And I love them. I love my kids. Nothing's going to change their status with me. They are the children of George and Lori Cannon. Nothing changes that. Now, are they perfect? No, they're not perfect. In their imperfection, does that change their acceptance with Lori and I? No. Do we like that they're imperfect? No, we don't like that they're not, that they're not perfect. But that doesn't change our love for them. That doesn't change that we're going to be their parent and that we're going to always accept them and support them. The same thing is true for you and I as children of God. Are we perfect? No way are we perfect. In fact, the scripture tells us that we're not perfect. Think about what the apostle John wrote. My little children, I write unto you that you sin not. 1 John chapter 2. But if you sin, you have an advocate. The assumption there is don't sin, but if you sin, you have an advocate. It's recognizing the brutal reality of humanity. We sin, but we're still accepted because we have who, folks? Jesus. Jesus. So you right now are in this cycle of defeat. You're in this needless cycle, feeling good, defeated, feeling good, defeated, trying to gain your acceptance, and you're in this endless cycle of defeat, you need to stop, put on the brakes for a moment, and recognize it has nothing to do with what I'm doing. It has to do with who I am. And that means you have to recognize you're standing as a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? You have to recognize you're standing in Jesus because of faith. Faith in Jesus. So let's go on. Look with me at verse 27. Look at what he says now in verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, I'm going to explain that to you. Let's look at the point here, and then I'll give you an understanding of what he's saying here. Recognize that you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a new life. Now, Paul says baptism. He's not referring to water baptism here. What he's referring to is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When did that take place? The moment you accepted Christ as the God of the universe, as the Savior, the moment by faith you came to him and put your trust in him, the Spirit of God entered into your life. That's that's baptism. He entered into your life and sealed you and guaranteed you for heaven to be with him for eternity. And at that moment, you became a new person. You were given a new life. Think about what Paul says in Romans chapter 6. He says, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. He's talking about this spiritual baptism that takes place. And that's what 
Paul is talking about here. And so you and I need to recognize that we are not just the children of God now, we are different because the new life we are to live, we can live it not in our own strength, because if we do it in our own strength, we're always in that endless cycle of defeat, but rather we can do it because we have the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live the new life. Who empowers us to live the new life. And so you and I need to recognize that. But you know what? We just take things for granted. We just take things for granted and we just go with the flow of what others are telling us to do as far as church when we don't even realize that we're empowered to live the way God wants us to live and that we need to seek our wisdom and guidance from Him and live this new life. So recognize that you've been empowered by the Scripture. Here's what I want you to see now. Look with me at verse 28 and 29. Here's my last point I want to make about the blessing of faith. Look with me at what it says, verse 28 and 29. He says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Here's the final thing I want you to see. Here's the final thing I want you to see. Faith in Jesus Christ gives you a new identity and a new hope. Because of faith, you have a completely new identity. There is no Jew, Greek, free, slave, there is no status going on there. By faith, we're all the same. And we have a new identity and a new hope. Now, you and I should understand that. You and I should understand that because the way we operate in our society and in our, especially in our churches, we have this status thing going on. We have this, we kind of have this whole, uh, I, kind of, I kind of reflect on it, it it's like a caste system in which people are at different levels and none of us can reach another higher level. And so we're always stuck where we are. And that's because we have oppressed ourselves with these standards by which we view as being needed for acceptance with God. So you can remember, I can remember years ago, I mean, it's still true in a lot of places that if you were a divorced person, you, you were welcome to come to church and you were welcome to give, but you couldn't do anything. Because you had experienced divorce, whether it was your fault or not. And so you weren't accepted. Or if you were looking a certain way, or if this was a part of your past, and so you always felt less than from, quote, the spiritual people in church because you saw your failures. And so you lived in that cycle of defeat, always thinking you couldn't be accepted. Here's one that's real big today. Being a woman. Well, as a woman, I can't do anything because we communicate that in church. And so we have this caste system. That is not what we see here in the scripture. In fact, verse 28 tells us there is no caste system. There is no caste system. Listen to what it says here. 
There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, faith in Jesus Christ gives you a new identity. And then when you come to verse 29, there's the new hope. And you are, if you're Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We now share in the promises that were given to Abraham. Do you see the blessing of that? The system that you and I, and I was there, folks, for a long time of trying to strive for acceptance with God and seeking his blessing and favor by doing the stuff that I was doing, that brings nothing by living under that brutal, oppressive teacher, tutor, as the scripture would say. I only found defeat. But right there, always there, was the reality that my faith gave me a new life. And that I've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to live that new life. You've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to live that new life. So get out of the bondage and live the life that Jesus calls you to live. Live the life that Jesus calls you to live. I'm going to give you two things to think about as we close our time, okay? Two things to think about. Here's the first one, okay? It's time to walk away from the cycle of spiritual defeat in your life. It's time to walk away. And, and I can say that because I interact with a lot of folks in our church, and I interact with people who are just flat out defeated because of some past failure or even a current failure and they think that God has marked them forever or church has marked them and the chances are I'll be honest with you church marks people church as a whole will mark people you need to walk away from that will you mean you need to leave the church no no I'm not telling you to leave the church if you're a part of our church family here, don't you walk away from the church. We need you. You need us. But what you need to walk away is from your faulty, deceptive thinking that you have embraced. You need to walk away from that cycle of defeat in your life and walk to Jesus. See, understand that cycle of defeat is caught by you trying to live the law. And the law is only there to drive you to one person, Jesus. So run to Jesus. He accepts you. You're his child. It's time to walk away from the cycle of spiritual defeat in your life. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Allow your faith to live out your new identity as a follower of Jesus. Think back to what Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Listen to what he says here. For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You need to live out your faith. Who you are in Jesus, a child of God, by faith, 
That's reality. Folks, that's what I want you to grasp from this. You don't need to be defeated. You don't need to be caught in that cycle. You need to live as you, who you truly are, a child of God, by faith in what Jesus has done for you. By faith in what Jesus has done for you. Let me pray for you.